0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Good morning, Asbury. Good morning. Two announcements this morning. First... This semester, the Faith and Culture series presents Faith and a Culture of Outrage with special guest Ed Stetzer from Wheaton College. So tomorrow at 4 p.m. in the screening room, you'll get to hear Rich Manieri, Catrell McCorder, Michelle Kratzer, and Mike Yoder talk with Ed Stetzer about this particular topic. Oh, and there's free Chick-fil-A. 4 p.m. in the screening room. But Asbury, we have an extraordinary opportunity before us this morning. We get to hear from General Brian Petal, the international leader of the Salvation Army, which has a presence in 131 countries. We know that the Salvation Army is one of the most respected and reputable nonprofit agencies within the world today. But the Salvation Army is a church a church with over 150,000 participants in the United States alone. And there are numerous ways to be a part of the mission of the Salvation Army today. At Asbury, we talk about academic excellence. We are indeed an academic institution, and we value and we prioritize spiritual vitality as a school in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. But our DNA, is mission and its purpose and its service. And for those of you who want to bend the universe in the favor of the common good and your neighbor and the widow and the orphan and the alien, I will tell you there is not a more reputable and functional and faithful partner to join in this other than the Salvation Army. And today we are blessed to have their leadership with us.
2: Asbury, will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for an opportunity to sit in Hughes and glorify you, to reflect on the things that you are doing, reflecting on the things that you want us to do, and for the journey that we have in front of us. I thank you for the opportunity to hear from General and Commissional Petal and just letting them come and see the wonderful place that we call home here at Asbury. Pray over the words that He speaks, that they will resonate in our hearts, and that we will walk out of this place a little bit changed. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Holy, holy, holy is uh, one of my favorite all-time songs. Someday, in the future, all of God's children from the dawn of time, and to all uh, up until the uh, time of His reappearing will gather around His feet and we will all stand, and we will sing in his presence, holy, 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 worthy of you to receive honor and glory and praise. And the band was phenomenal, and your singing was phenomenal, but it will all pale in comparison of that day. Thank you so much for welcoming us here today. I'm Commissioner David Hudson, the National Commander of the Salvation Army of the United States. It is my privilege today to introduce to you the General and Commissioner, was General Bryan and Commissioner Rosalie Peddle. They are the international leaders of the Salvation Army, and as you heard Dr. Brown state, uh, serve, Salvation Army now serves in over 100 or in 131 countries. They come with a wealth of experience, both have been Salvation Army officers for more than 40 years. Starting in Canada, they have always had a pastor's heart. Uh, Commissioner Rosalie was telling, uh, I think it was Dr. Brown today, about moving, and her most traumatic move is when she had to leave the church ministry and to go into administration. But throughout all of their ministry, they have had that pastor's heart. They've served in other than Canada and New Zealand and the United Kingdom, and they now serve as international leaders. General Brian Petal is the 21st General of the Salvation Army. The pride of their life may be, though, two wonderful daughters and five wonderful grandchildren. And that international flavor continues because one of their daughters is a Savish Army officer serving in Australia. So one daughter in Canada, one daughter in Australia, and they are serving in the United Kingdom. And so it's my joy and my privilege to welcome them not only here, but to the United States of America. And Commissioner Rosalie Pettel is going to come now and share scripture with us.
0: Good morning to you all. How great to be here. You know that we travel the world in these days. And we have just come back from Congo. And we've had 10 days, 10 spectacular days with the people and hearing their hearts, singing with them, dancing with them. And uh, God has blessed us in just more ways than I can tell you. But here we are this morning. I'm glad that I know where I am. I'm glad I know the day and the date. That's a good sign that I'm I'm okay. But here we are this morning to share with you. And we're gonna share with you a scripture reading that's very important for us today. I am very uh, pleased to be a international leader, a woman, international leader, who can take my place around the world to preach and teach and share. I am uh, privileged these days to go around the world and empower girls, young girls and women to be all that God is calling them to be in these days. And uh, that's a passion of mine if you want to know what really ignites our hearts beside our love for the lord jesus christ is being around people like you this morning who have your life ahead of you who god is calling you all by name has great plans for you and we can hear your heart today and be with you and share about our love for jesus and so we give him all thanks. And he deserves all the honor and the power and the glory this morning because he is a great God. The scripture reading the Bible verses for this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 13. Just a few verses, but you're familiar with these verses. But we want these verses to become alive in your hearts today. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. May God bless his word. May he speak to our hearts. And may we go out this morning again feeling a transformation because we met with Jesus. God bless you.
2: Good morning, Asbury family. You are there. That's good. I want to thank uh, Dr. Brown for facilitating a visit to here. There is no other way that I could wake up in Wilmore, Kentucky and see a sunrise like I saw this morning, other than being a guest here at Asbury. So thank you for that. Uh, I need to put the president on notice. Uh, We've just, as my wife has shared with you, been in the Democratic Republic of Congo for ten days. I spoke uh, 13 sermons and uh, the routine was I would say English and then we would hear the French and then we would hear the Swahili and then I'd get to do English again. So any stoppages this morning, uh, just say something and then I'll pick up where I left off. (laughs) And it does work out in the end. Glad to acknowledge uh, faculty and Salvation Army colleagues today. And uh, may I acknowledge the Salvation Army Students Fellowship and thank God for this long, beautiful relationship with this institution. And say that it's long time that I actually show up here. So thank you very, very much. I want to share with you this morning from my heart, as you could and should expect, around a theme of uh, separated and ascent. The Bible uh, records a very astounding story which is probably easily planted in each of our hearts from a memory perspective. It's a story that has two main characters, the prodigal and the father and it's a circumstance whereby a son is so desperate that he has absolutely no other option but to find his way back home for me this story is an outcome of god's presentation to the world which we see in john 3:16 god's love that he gave and what comes into play for me, and I'm trying to establish my purpose in life and what I believe God's intended reality is for me is this, that based on that story, based on John 3:16, anyone can come home. God welcomes prodigals. And for the last 40 years, wherever I've been, And whoever I've been with, it's been important to plant that seed in the heart of those around me. So I stand before you today as one who is absolutely convinced of the simplicity, yet the profound realities of that thought. Anyone, anyone, anyone can come home to God. in recognition of the privilege that's mine this morning i've i've promised myself that i would use my words very carefully and that i would weigh those words before they pass my lips i'd like for you to know that i'm striving to live a surrendered life which means the holy spirit is the best filter that i can offer you today and hoping and praying that that filter will be sufficient for you to let words of mine find their way anywhere near your heart and what God might want to say to you. My view of the world in these days is very much shaped uh, by the view that I have through the appointment that is mine as the international leader of the Salvation Army. Uh, It's international in scope, Uh, I have to admit, uh, there are days I forget I'm Canadian, you know that place north of the border, Um, there are days I forget I'm Caucasian, there are days I forget I'm speaking English. It's international in its scope. I'm looking through a lens that gives me that opportunity. It's, it's multi and it's intercultural. It's sometimes defined by language as it was these last weeks. It's sometimes, friends, can I be very clear in saying this? It's sometimes the very best of humanity and sometimes it's the very worst of humanity. My politics are nonpartisan, but let me say this to you, that my thoughts as they wander from Burkina Faso in Africa to Sri Lanka to America, I am certain of this one thing. There are millions and millions of people who need Jesus Christ. God's mission in the world is centered on that reality. At the very heart of who we are as people who follow Jesus, there is a sense in which we must not forget that the fields are white to harvest, and America is no exception. God calls us into relationship with Him so that He can bring healing uh, to people, Uh, so that we can win nations, we still believe God wants to embrace the world in which we live. And I'm convinced that He's both able and remains willing to do so. I have a view of the church in these days. It's been created through many years of ministry and rubbing shoulders with faith and interfaith and catching some glimpse of what God is doing in the world in which I live. I love the way that Christopher Wright challenges my heart when he says that most Christians today are asking the wrong question. They're asking the question… Does God still have relevance? Does he still have a mission in the world? And Christopher Wright says, wrong question. The question we need to be asking is this. Are we, his church, to do his mission in the world? The mission hasn't changed. And as this student body with your youth and your passions, you rise up. You have to know that what God is asking from you is to have you as a part of that mission to be His church who's in tune with the fact that millions are dying in sin and that we don't have a good strategy yet that's proven to withstand some of the onslaught that's going on around us. Can I pursue that with you? Just a little bit this morning. Just a little bit. There's a verse in the Old Testament that resonates in my heart. It's in Second Chronicles 7 and 14. It's a verse well known. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. Christopher Wright's question proposes that to each of our denominations, each of our faith traditions, that we remind ourselves that we are his called out people, separated for purpose by holy intention. Having a dynamic that is divine and not simply human. <laughs> I admit sometimes I shrink back a little when people talk about the Salvation Army as having a holiness tradition, or they describe our ethos. These are okay words. But is it ever possible that someone is referring to our roots and our history, and somehow or another it doesn't reflect our fruit and our future? God help us! I would rather people say <laughs> to the general of the Salvation Army, oh, "I, I, I see it. Uh, you're obeying God's command." That's who you folk are. Which command? Well, it's the one we shared with you in 1 Peter. The one that says, as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who has called you is holy, well, you be holy in all that you do, for it is written, command, be holy. Because I am holy. Say of the Salvation Army, you guys are following the Lord's command. And so, without any sense of uh, compromise being reflected onto the character of God, we accept the fact that we are called to be holy, a, a new creation. A creation that's exposed has been subjected to the transformative work of the Holy Spirit, which subjects me to this command in a very personal way, prompting a God experience in me, declaring rights to His temple, and creating the possibility of a dwelling place occupied by His presence. Be holy, because I am holy. So what would I say to the students of Asbury today? I thought about this. I said, I I want to say something to you in a sentence. What would it be? Here it is. Give me men and women who know they are redeemed for a reason, committed to a cause, that of Christ Jesus, and who are willing to be sent into the chaos of life by the Savior so that I could assure anyone who is interested that one day the bride of Christ will be presented in glory and splendor to our Heavenly Father. We need young men and women who are redeemed, and they know why committed and they know to what and who are willing to be sent and they know to whom. And through that will come the bride of Christ which will bring honor, glory, and splendor to him on that day. Are you okay with that? Got these guys on my side. This, you know, back where I come from, we would say this is where the rubber hits the road. We either come to grips with that kind of challenge or we slide just around it and figure out our own path. I propose to you today that holiness at its very core and by God's design has the potential to have a reverse action in our lives at first, it has this very determined reality that it separates us, it sanctifies us, it, it pulls us into this embrace of God, it shelters us under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it has this incredible dynamic that says, now this is not for you. This is not just for whatever we might call the church. This is about equipping you to send you into the world. And so the reverse action is the pulling in. It is the embrace of God. But you better be careful. God doesn't just want to hug you. He wants to send you to the world that needs to know about Jesus Christ, aimless, literally aimless millions in the world. Our holiness becomes the garment by which we wear and share to the world. It becomes that which protects us, if you like. It is the shield that is surrounding us, so that when we are his called out people and we are asked to confront the evil one, when we are asked to stand firm and become an affront to sin, when we place ourselves in the position where that dark space can only be affected by the light of God, we move into that. And I wouldn't dare do any of these things if I didn't know I had first been embraced And I had been shielded by the command of God to be holy as He is holy. For each of you here today, you need to sort that out in a very personal way because God wants you to be His anointed people. He wants you to be His anointed sent people so that we can take our part in this great master plan of God. There are questions that come to mind today for me. What's what's the reasonable prospect of the church today in the world in which we're living, where persecution is notable, either in a very demonstrative way or subtly, where marginalization of faith is constantly uh, in our news and on our TVs and in front of us? what's a reasonable expectation of the church what kind of leaders are needed today to guide christian faith and practice so that the church still has an ability to celebrate god's work in its midst can can we survive and thrive in this digital world in which we live of podcasts and facebook likes how do we find our place in the middle of all of that? How do we manage, see, the, the high public profile of today's apostasy and the failure of notable leaders? Will we become victims of short-sightedness due to secularization and materialism, and forget in the midst of that, that the ultimate goal is glory is heaven. Is eternal? Oh, these questions weigh heavily. Let me take a page out of Scripture back to the Old Testament in Genesis 41, where I find one of the bravest men of the Bible. One of them. I remind us today of this man, a man who moves from prison to position. Pharaoh called for the Hebrew. There was a dream, there was an interpretation required. And despite the shave and the new clothes, the effect of imprisonment and the dungeon was still present. And he stands before Pharaoh. So much weighed in the balance. So much dependent upon what he said and what happened in that moment. And there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to have to stand in his shoes. What does he say to Pharaoh. I can't do it. I can't do it. But God can give Pharaoh the answer he desires. If it was a little bit more modern language, she might have said, God's got this. Don't worry about it. Can you find yourself, your life being cradled in his hands in such a way that you can write a banner over it? Yes, holiness unto the Lord. Underneath in smaller letters, God has got this. This being your life, your passions, your desires, your pursuit, your desire to be holy, your willingness to say, I have it all surrendered, Lord, it's yours salvation army needs to strive towards relevance provide evidence of innovation and always be reminded that it has to recreate itself but as general along with colleagues i accept the fact that i have to make sure that the salvation army does not abdicate its responsibility for its noble pursuits which are godly which are holy which are a part of the message of the gospel of Jesus in the world in which we live today. God has raised this outfit up, He has given it a certain DNA, and He wants to continue to empower it by His Holy Spirit through His holy people. I want to ask you today if you would let your hearts be warmed by God's embrace. I want to ask you if you would just let yourselves stop for a moment and realize that the parallel action to our coming to God is just not realizing what he wants to take from you as your offering is given, but that you also realize what he wants to give to you, give to you, give to you. So I say to you today, uh, stay close to the potter's house that uh, God keeps shaping. Don't forget there's an altar in life where you must keep kneeling and surrendering. There is a cross which denotes sacrifice and sacrificial living. There is the hope of glory which says no distraction is worth the abdication of your view, your sight of God. And so I say to you, the our world needs a holy army, it needs a holy people, it needs people like you, baptized for the purpose of His good in the world, uh, responding as a separated people, made holy, possessing hearts that beat with the heart of God, being sent because we know that it's worth it and it's a, an important thing and it honors and glorifies God. And at the end of it all, you can stand up at any time and say, there's no reserves, everything has been surrendered. There's no retreats, I'm not turning my back on God and lying your head down at night and saying, I have no regrets with this day that's gone behind. And God will do miraculous things with His separated, sent people making a difference in the world in which we live. I'm finished. My wife is saying a silent hallelujah. Uh, Look I'm overwhelmed, my eyes have been glancing down this morning, it's not because I'm looking at my notes even though I should. I can't help but see this, this altar. It's, it's just a beautiful altar. It spreads around the whole front of this building. I'm not, uh, can't come here and say to you I'm not aware of an altar, which means I'm not going to miss the opportunity to say that altar is available if anybody wants to use it this morning in the time that we have. I'm not doing class times or anything like that. I'm just looking at the time that we have. I want us to sing a song. And uh, it's an incredible song. The tune will be familiar. The words might not be. But my goodness, this is a Gaither song in the Salvation Army songbook, and I have stumbled upon it, and it's become an anthem. And if you look at the words of the first verse, which I'm hoping will come up very quickly. <laughs> It begins by saying, I then shall live as one who has been forgiven. I know why I am redeemed. I know. I'll walk with joy to know the debt is paid. I know my name is clear before my father. I am his child. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. So, greatly pardoned am I, I'll forgive my brother the law of love I gladly will obey. I then shall live. Your choice,
0: your choice, listen to God's voice.